welcome to the Mancunian Candidates radio show, which is on YouTube. Uh, my name's Paul Ripley, and this guy here is... I'm Mike Royce. Um, I'm not in a great mood. I'm really in the mood for doing this show tonight. It's been another one of them weeks where an incompetent government, and if you're wondering which one I'm talking about, because there's at least two massive ones to choose yeah. from, uh, both of which we feature on this show, hence the Anglo-American aspect... Uh, no, it's ours. We managed to really uh, sort out a fantastic new version of lockdown, which if anybody watching this show understands what's going on, then you've passed some sort of weird test that you shouldn't really have had to get go into, I feel. It's crazy, crazy times. But do you want to explain to people who's just tuned in the first time ever? By the way, thank you to everybody who's uh, viewed the videos. It's been going three weeks. It's been quite amazing. But explain to people what the show's really about. Yeah, we we are the Mancunian candidates. We are two sort of kind of honest in your face Mancunians in Northern Britain. If people don't know in America what that means, we are from Manchester in the UK, and we look at politics on both sides of the channel and pop culture in general and the state of the world and we come on here and we have a bit of a moan and we also tell it as it is tell it as it is tell it as it is right so we talk about the tier three lockdown that's hit the uk and manchester hard as usual uh well let's talk about this man shall we mr hancock hmm? mr hancock he was always going on about being a man of science. How many times have you seen that man of science, man of science, man of science, and the government's following the man of science way of doing things? Man of science. However, now it comes down to this other cock-up which has happened. So how long has Manchester been in lockdown now since July? Yeah. July. Well, on and off. So now we've got indicators, key indicators, case detection rates in all groups. Uh, all age groups. Case detection rates in all over 60s, the rate at which cases are rising or falling, the number of positive cases detected as a percentage of tests taken, known as the positivity rate, and the pressure on the NHS. They're the things. So we're not doing the, what it suits, the R number. The R number. Yeah. We were under one and falling. Yeah. London is over one and rising. But we go into tier three. Yeah. London tier two. So there is a north south divide, clearly a north south divide. Why is that? Because of the next man. Yes, Mr. Andy Burnham. He's there shouting up for the north, and what happens with him? Well, it all goes to, doesn't it? He's, he's doing his best, but the government don't listen because of the north south divide. So we might as well call him Mr. Twist. Oliver Twist, because all he asked for was give me more. Give me more, please. And what did the government do, Manchester? We're in tier three. Strange times. It is strange times, but it's nothing that we've not had before. Everybody in the north of England has been treated like uh, garbage by a Tory government for a very, very long time. Anybody who remembers the poll tax uh, for younger people, this is the point where the Conservative government thought, well, wouldn't it be great if every single person who had a home paid exactly the same amount of money to the upkeep of the nation, irrespective of if the house was a mansion or it was a semi-detached house with um, 
five people living in it. So a millionaire in a mansion paid the, si- uh, the same as a single parent with four children whose husbands abandoned them that uh, were living in a terraced house. Uh, it was uh, This is the level of stupidity that you get because they, they're so obsessed. The, the, this version of a conservative government is so obsessed with people being responsible, being able to get on, that, that everybody's equal and they never recognise the fact that some people are born into money, are born into privilege and, and lockdown, this lockdown should have, have been ever political, it should have never got that way, the way it's exploding in America, the way it's exploding over here where people, it, it is becoming a political thing now it's and it football, shouldn't be. It's football, Mike, it's an absolute yeah. football, I mean it they're is. just playing games in people's lives. And the conspiracy world, and we will talk about conspiracy world later when we talk about Dr. Vernon Coleman, but the conspiracy world are loving it because it's all about control, control. And you've got to say, yeah, well, they are controlling us. They are taking the mickey out of us. It's just another world, and it's just a horrible, horrible world. But you've got to keep strong. Keep you strong. certainly have. But on the, on the subject of lockdowns, yeah. if you're thinking maybe over here things are bad, and, and things have been politicised. Well, we we're going to explain just how over the coming weeks that things are not how they used to be in many many ways. Fox News used to be this crazy right wing alt right uh, mental piece of propaganda you tune into, and over the last few years, uh, Trump's administration have gone that far that they've sort of gone, oh, I'm not sure about this, and they've pulled back. Fox News is now more mainstream than it's ever been. Uh, that doesn't mean that the problems and the nutters have gone away. They live on a host of channels that are still being broadcast and are still out there doing propaganda. And the, there's a, a lady called Michelle Melkin who used to now, be on Fox Remember News. that name. Remember that oh, name. you're going to yeah, have to yeah. remember this name because she is my. She's going to be one of my resident nutbags from now on. Where we, any, if you want to see the temperature. You're out there wondering, how do 70-odd million people vote for Trump? How do people believe all this crap? It's because they're fed stuff like the following video. Lockdown mania. Whatever happened to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Ever since the Wuhan virus hit our shores, our precious freedoms to worship, to work, to play, to celebrate, to mourn, and to breathe as free as we please have been steadily eroding all in a futile attempt to stop the spread of a disease with a 99% survival rate for everyone under the age of 70. Did you ever think that you'd live to see the day that the United States government, not North Korea, not China, not Russia, not Venezuela, would advise us to cancel Thanksgiving and Christmas in the name of public health? This is unmistakably and unequivocally un-American. So knowing that people are looking forward to the Thanksgiving holiday and getting together to celebrate, we felt that it was imperative to make a stronger push to recommend not traveling for the holidays. The safest way to celebrate Thanksgiving this year is at home with the people who live in your household. The CDC's COVID control freak guidelines on holiday gatherings dictate that we refrain from handshakes and hugs with our dearest friends. The federal rules even extend to pets who we are now forbidden from getting pats and snuggles from any visitors from outside your household. In the age of pandemania, only hugs through plastic curtains are deemed safe anymore. Eric, you can put them down here. (laughs) (laughs) Our public health overlords also advise us to avoid singing or shouting, 
But wait, that's not enough. Don't you dare think of blasting Thanksgiving hymns or Christmas carols over the speakers in the privacy of your own home theater. The CDC has decreed that we must keep music levels down so people don't have to shout or speak loudly to be heard. Oh, and if you're thinking about cracking open a beer or toasting loved ones with a small glass of wine, think again. That's a no-no too, because the CDC tells us that drinking even a sip of alcohol might impair our ability to social distance and wear our masks correctly. Hmm. I wonder what adult beverage Anthony Fauci was imbibing when he chin-strapped his mask. Remember that? Or how about flip-flopper Fauci's hype regarding COVID vaccines still being tested in clinical trials whose results have yet to be finalized or subjected to scientific peer review. These experts told us it would take 15 days to stop the spread. Now Fauci threatens we won't get back to normalcy until maybe possibly next fall. What we are suffering is an epidemic of toxic hypocrisy and lies by elites and politicians in both parties. Ohio's meddling Republican governor, Mike DeWine, pays lip service to limited government principles while using COVID as a ruse to ban dancing at weddings. We have seen rampant spread of the virus as a result of banquets, wedding receptions, and social gatherings following funerals. The order also requires everyone to be seated, everyone to wear a mask, unless they are actively consuming food or drinks. And the order prohibits things such as dancing and games. While rolling out draconian new lockdown orders, California's Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom deceived the public about attending an outdoor party with lobbyists at fancy restaurant French Laundry. There were no masks in sight. There were 12 people from multiple households. It wasn't a family gathering as he falsely framed it. It was do as I say, not as I do influence peddling business as usual. After taking some heat, Governor Newsom issued the following statement. While our family followed the restaurant's health protocols and took safety precautions, we should have modeled better behavior and not joined the dinner. How many chances did we give him before we catch him doing something similar again? Instead of allowing Californians to enjoy the same largesse he enjoys, petty tyrant Newsom this week tightened the leash on citizens. He imposed a multi-county 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfew for an entire month that will decimate countless family-owned restaurants and small businesses and will limit individual freedom of movement with no scientific basis. And this is the problem. People are listening to this. This is the sort of propaganda you get on Chinese state television. You will get somebody really convincingly putting across a hypothesis or a position like that. It looks like a news channel. It's not, it's propaganda, but it doesn't matter. But I've got to say, going back to the UK, the UK, um, we've got our own propaganda and it's being fed by the government and the government's now their position on Christmas and the position on Thanksgiving in America are so similar. It's untrue. We are now the global leaders in pandemic fatalities. We have managed to snatch the crown from everybody else, even Brazil. We've managed to outdo them. So between America and the UK, who's going to win this? Is it proportion to, in proportion to the population, how many corpses we can make over a period of time? This Christmas uh, decision to 
let everybody have a free-for-all for five days is only going to end one way, and that's it. Cheers. No, I'll tell you exactly how, how it's going to end. January, listen, January is going to be a crucible of death. On that cheery note, uh, shall we go over to Joe in New York City? Hopefully he's on the system and on the phones. And Joe, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me okay? We can hear you fine. Thanks for joining us, Joe, our fellow candidate over in New York City. Um, tell people what you've been doing today. So um, today I was in Harlem uh, at uh, Jacob's Restaurant, uh, yeah. which is on the corner of uh, 128th and Lex- uh, sorry, Lenox Avenue. And uh, we were getting meals out. My, uh, I was working together, volunteering with my fellow uh, um to get food out to the community. Um, you know, one thing that we are dealing with here, which unfortunately isn't getting a lot of press, is uh, severe food shortages. And you see some coverage given to places uh, in the Midwest or down South where there are long lines of people just hoping to get a box of food. Um, this is a problem here in New York city that existed before the pandemic. Uh, this is a problem that will continue beyond the pandemic as long as we are being oppressed by the current system in place. And every year this restaurant, uh, in Harlem gives meals out to the community. And so that's what I spent my morning doing. Oh, first of all, God bless you for doing that, because with the current climate, it's quite refreshing to hear something like that. And I just say, what what do you feel um, has made it so much worse? Is it the policy of the government, the situation with COVID or just the general underlying inequalities that there are at the moment? Uh, It all starts with the underlying inequalities that it has existed in this country from the very beginning. Um, You see it uh, the most in neighborhoods and communities of color, which are adversely affected. Um, And so COVID is just one more devastating blow to these communities. And, um, you know, we were at the People's Church in Harlem last week, giving out meals where, I mean, we were out there for four hours and there were still people just desperate for food that had lined up starting at 6 a.m. for food boxes that had been promised delivery at 10 a.m. Uh, and this is happening every day in various locations around New York City and, and across the country. It's not something that people equate with New no. York. When, I, no. when I've been in New York, it's so, um, it, it's so geared up for tourism. It's untrue. And I feel and I felt I actually was aware of this, that you are shielded from the realities of New York when you you go there as a tourist. Absolutely, you are. Um, It's there are so many attractions here that it's rare for somebody to come here and see uh, how people are really living and the communities that are affected the most right now by by COVID or communities that are mostly people who live here in the city and work here in the city and work the service industry jobs that bring you your coffee in the morning and and make it possible for you to have a newspaper or 
make it possible for you to eat at that nice restaurant and, you know, buy nice clothes and buy nice things. And they're not being paid a fair wage. They're not being taken care of by the corporate monsters who are running everything now. Uh, and, and now the only jobs left seem to be Amazon warehouse workers and fulfillment services and, you know, Grubhub delivery services. And, you know, they're not taking care of workers. It's, it's just, uh, it's a disgrace the way the workers are being treated. Um, well, I think you, while delivering goods. I think you realise that Manchester and New York are very similar in in the way that we have an underclass that's not looked at. Yeah. yeah. We share a lot in common. Now, I would like to take a moment, if you guys don't mind. Yeah, sure. You've mentioned today is uh, what many people consider to be a holiday here in New York yeah, and it should in be, America. Yeah. And... Um, I want to point something out. 400 years ago, 1620, that's when the pilgrims came from your fine country and landed at Plymouth Rock. Uh, What has transpired since then is despicable. And across this country, you were just talking about propaganda. Mm. Today's a great example of what I consider to be one of the greatest pieces of propaganda that you can find in the form of Thanksgiving, where... For generations, young kids across America have grown up being taught in our schools, uh, being taught through mass media and entertainment sources, so much so that even your typical Brit might buy into the myth of Thanksgiving, that it involved a happy meal between some Native Americans. Of course, they don't talk about what tribe of Native Americans, and these pilgrims who came to just, you know, escape tyranny and uh, and the, the Indians showed them how to live right when when the reality which you can find very easily even if you go into the Smithsonian archives uh, you know or any historical source of relevance and significance in the world it, 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 the story has been turned into a piece of propaganda in itself and the history behind the story involves uh, these settlers, the pilgrims, these colonizers coming over from England and taking over the Wampanoag uh, Indian tribe's land. And, you know, it wasn't even celebrated or acknowledged or known about outside of New England until, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something here from, from Smithsonian Magazine. Please do. It gained... It gained purchase, this is a quote, uh, it gained purchase in the late 19th century when there was an enormous amount of anxiety and agitation over immigration. The white president, uh, the white Protestant stock of the United States was widely unhappy about the influx of European Catholics and Jews and wanted to assert its cultural authority over these newcomers. How better to do that than to than to create this national founding myth around the pilgrims and the Indians inviting them to take over the land. So today, millions of Americans, and of course, millions of Brits will probably join in in solidarity I don't in know about celebrating that, Thanksgiving. No, I think, I, think <laughs> a lot, I think a lot of Brits actually get that bit of it because I think yeah. it's more open the the I think that it's less of a problem for a teacher 
Uh, certainly I was made aware mm. at a really young age, and that was a long time ago, uh, that some of the terrible things that went on during that period, but I, d I would imagine it's easier to teach it over here because it then distracts from our horrible <coughs> things that we did d during it, colonialism. It's, it's quite clear, though, isn't it? Propaganda works. It does work. Propaganda it, it works. It does. Yeah. I, I, and I apologise if I'm mischaracterising the British population right now. No. Uh, but no. I do have this, uh, you know, imaginary uh, sort of thought that there are Tories all over the UK eating turkey for dinner tonight. No, so. they, 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 they're very few Tories. If you went to percentage, you'd probably be about 30% of the country. But the problem is you've got a lot of people that should be voting Labour and being more left-wing that vote for them when something doesn't suit them and they're a bit fed up. And they think mm. that teaching Labour a lesson is going to pay off in some way. So they end up getting a, a victory. They, that's it. Yeah. On a, uh, how's it, how is New York after the election? Just a quick roundup, really, on it. How is it a different <laughs> feeling about it? Has it changed in any way? Is it a happier place, in well, any way, even though there's poverty? Yeah. Uh, when uh, on Saturday, November seventh, I believe it was, where it was officially announced. Uh, yeah. I can tell you that the city erupted. Uh, you may have seen or heard. The yes. celebrations mm -hmm. were phenomenal. Fantastic. Um, they, you know, people were hanging out of their windows, banging, making noise. Cars were honking their horns in the streets, and people partied through the night, flooding the streets. Probably not very safe or smart, but no. it's a, it's a, it's a. It was a moment of relief. However, um, it was short-lived, and we have already seen. Uh, the first example of what I believe are many to come of the long-term effects that Trump's presidency is going to have on this country, because shortly before midnight last night, the now supermajority conservative Supreme Court uh, made a completely irrelevant decision that was is being theorized as having been done simply to exert their authority and show where their stance is. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but uh, they revisited a case that was brought before the Supreme Court that had been struck down a few months back uh, that was brought up by the Brooklyn Diocese, my own diocese. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Catholic Church yeah. was opposed to our government telling them not to have people come to Mass and yeah. brought it to the Supreme Court together with some Jewish religious leaders from our community. It was initially shot down while Ginsburg was holding court, and now that Justice Barrett is in position, it passed 5-4, even though those restrictions have already been removed. <laughs> so you, our you tax got, dollars yeah. <laughs> You've just got paid for the court on. to, you yeah. know... Unfortunately, I'm, 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 uh, I was trained as a lawyer, so that was my first job, that, really. So uh, oh, I'm, I'm embarrassed by, by the whole thing, but I knew, I kind of <laughs> knew it would get to this. But, I, I mean, it's yeah. great that things were better, because I think when we last spoke and we were doing the live show, we thought that the... Oh, yeah. That we thought things were going a lot worse, because I had it pegged in my head that maybe 60 to 65%, maybe at the tops, of the mail-in votes would skew towards Biden, and it wouldn't be quite enough. And it turned out 
in some places to the 80. But I stand yeah. by what I said that night when I was having a minor meltdown because I said that there was a price to pay for this victory by having these Republicans involved in the Democratic um, uh, Congress and be and when they were doing the convention, having people like Kasich and uh, other Republicans, and there'd be a price to pay. And it and within two days of it being announced that yes, it's probably is Biden, but he will obviously spit his dummy out and not concede. Um, yay! They all started doing the circuits, and John Kasich, he he was literally telling everybody that you only won by this narrow margin uh, you could have had a landslide if you weren't covering Black Lives Matter and other unpopular topics and that has been the thing and AOC to her credit slapped it slapped it down and said no you, you've won it by getting predominantly black votes in places like Detroit and Georgia yes indeed and Georgia, yeah, and exactly yeah Right, Joe, we have to go now. Uh, thank you so much, as always. We'll see you in a week or so. Sounds good, guys. Great to see you. And uh, Good to see you, Joe. That's uh, Joe in Queens. Um, he's just uh, one of life's good guys out in the streets. Certainly, yes. And it happens here in Manchester as well. I mean, obviously, the homeless and Christmas yeah. is coming up. There's a, a great charity going on at the moment, uh, collecting toys for kids. Yeah. And it's hard times for people. It's just hard times. It's dreadful. It is time to... I don't know, try and come together in some way, but don't believe the propaganda. Well, we talking about coming together, we're trying to bring uh, a little bit of everybody in this fight together here, so that's why the show's here, and we've got a little bit of feedback. I mean, first of all, we've had a lot of people watching watching the channel, haven't we? Yes, we're doing really well. Um, I guess figures for you. It's 56,000 views so far. Uh, on the channel, which is amazing, and I don't know, is it nearly 4,000 hours of, of people watching the shows? Thank you to each and every one of you. Thank you so much. And we do appreciate it. You don't realise how much we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. But tell your friends and get subscribed. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've had a few uh, comments from our newfound friends, um, <laughs> uh, some of which, uh, I mean, we've got some comments tonight. Um, yeah. Stephen Blackmore's saying that the, yeah, the UK government is truly incompetent. Nick is, uh, wait a minute, Danny Ranks is saying that the vast amounts of people don't live in reality, they live in fantasy spoon-fed to them, which is kind of what we said tonight. Yeah. So um, on, based on, on some of the clips and videos that, we've, uh, that have been on the channel over from last week's show, this is all from last week's show, yeah. we've got Chris Griffin says, um, I have not heard one thing from Corbyn to make me think this man is a racist. This is in response to the section on last week's show where I was kind of saying that I, I knew he was. Um, unlike a certain UKIP, I mean Brexit party, that surprisingly we're never told is as big a problem. What I have heard from this man is a willingness to help the common people tax the rich, fix injustices, including the one uh, magical, all-powerful um one concerning anti-Semitism and that is why it's so important for the masterclass to discredit Corbyn before anything essential gets corrected. Digital Gorilla 
That's a long, that's a long comment, wasn't it? It was. It was uh, like going. a diatribe. That yeah. well, you know, it's it's under the the excerpt from that bit okay. where I uh, was going on. Did, did, digital guerrilla. Oh, well, I don't know about better. We'll have okay. to see what your contact to better is. Digital guerrilla. <laughs> yeah. I think was replying to the um, section we did on Lindsey Graham and the fixing of the election and yeah. and, and that and the coup. Um, just a pair of wankers pulling their own knobs. Lindsey Graham was only wanting the signatures on votes in Georgia verified. It had nothing to do with black or white. So, Mister Mister Digital Gorilla. Digital Gorilla. So, so Digital Gorilla. Yeah. So Thank you. Digital Gorilla. Um, fantastic. I just want to put this one, throw this back to you. I'm not going to have a go. I'll call your no, name you, or whatever. You. I'm just going to ask you this one question then. If it was just about that then how come he didn't want the signatures verified in the states that Donald Trump won? Sort of a bit of a problem, that one, isn't it? So uh, I've got a good one from from Nick, who answered my question from last week's show, where I was going mad because we were saying, what was Corbyn when you met him? What was he writing stuff down with? And you were going on at me about pencils and rubbers, yeah. and it was a green pen. It, he says, green pen... It's from the 70s, Pentels. I loved them. It was. It was Pentels. They were the green ones. And finally, we've got a cracker here. Um, Kevin Andrews says, Yet another piece of propaganda. This show is an ugly lib showcase of ignorance. The arrogant idiot with the loud loud mouth and dingbat hair is particularly offensive. Who's that? Um, Got a minute. No, who's that? I can't, I can't find... <laughs> I can't. I can't find the words. It's wrong. Um, I can't find the words to describe how annoying he is. Um, he acts as if he's the only person who ever went to college. Socialism is a stepping stone to communism. Overregulate industry, and you force out the private sector by eliminating profitability and incentive. People still need. Stuff so the government takes over. Don't listen to this propaganda. And I was about to say, you know, I, I I agree. You've got your rights and your opinions and all the rest of it. But I will say this: it did upset me a great deal that because it. I mean, he really shouldn't be saying that stuff about Paul. Dingbat hair. I'll say no more. I'll tell you what. To answer that though, to me, quite clear when Thatcher sold the water. The, the energy to private companies and it's supposed to advance us in this way did it? No it did caused it? it did exactly what happens in America it, it's the same thing every now and again you get a right wing government and they'll think oh the state owns this if we sell it it'll help balance the books and then we can uh, think of some clever transport, way of transport transport are we advanced now on our transport our railways no, are they amazing they? all no. these years after Thatcher is no. it amazing transport no no. I mean the big the big, the big one no. over, over here we we sold off gas we sold off electric we, we, we owned all of it and the gold and, and, uh, but the most offensive one to me is water yeah because at the end of the day why does a private company giving shares to a board of directors own our water supply I mean, well, it's, it's absolutely it's crazy. Well, as well and all the rest of it, obviously. Yeah, but, you but just... I mean, it should... You know. Surely that should, should be something where you pay your bills and it goes back into investment, not into people's yeah. back pockets so they can fly away on foreign holidays and 
I'll do a Cummins, whatever. You know, it's, it's just crazy, crazy. And that's not communism. That's not socialism. That's just common sense to me. Should we move on? Yeah. Well, as a uh, as a follow-up to a lot of things we've been covering on the show... What's your Trump- hair called? Pardon? What's, what do they call your hair? I've forgotten that word, is it? You know, I do, you don't know it's me, right? Okay. So you can, you, I'm not falling so you into it that. Andy, no, I'm yeah, not yeah, falling yeah. into yeah. that one. Um, the... The the election, basically, has ended up exactly as everybody thought it would. But to be fair, I've said it before, Trump is an honest guy. He's actually very honest because he says he's going to shaft you and he shafts you. And, and, you know, it's not all talk with him. So he said he was going to not agree this election. He basically set in stone four years ago that he wasn't going to if he lost to Hillary. And then he's done the same playbook and he's he's done... Uh, but he's gone further than anybody thought he would. Um, he's actually gone to try to abuse the system yeah. and actually do a coup. And we've got a video that shows exactly what went on in Michigan. In 2016, Donald Trump won Michigan by 10,700 votes. It was the closest race in Michigan presidential history. As prescribed in the Constitution, the Michigan presidential electors voted to give the state's electoral votes to Donald Trump. In 2020, Joe Biden won Michigan by 153,000 votes. It was not a close race. But now Donald Trump is attempting to steal the election by demanding that Michigan presidential electors vote for him. It's illegal and un-American. Trump has summoned Republican Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirkey and House Speaker Lee Chatfield to meet at the White House. His goal? Demand the Michigan legislature throw out the election results and appoint presidential electors loyal to Donald Trump. Tens of thousands of Michiganders have died defending the democracy that Donald Trump now tries to overthrow. Nothing like this has happened in American history. The Republican Party of Michigan must decide if it is loyal to America and our Constitution or to Donald Trump. All America is watching. The world is watching. What will Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirkey and House Speaker Lee Chatfield do? Will they go down in history as good citizens who did their duty or traitors who attempted a failed coup? Donald Trump or America? Voters chose America. Now Michigan Republicans must do the same. I didn't quite get some of that, Mike, to be honest with you. No, the, the Electoral College in, in America is not like here. It's dead simple here. I mean, it's not fair here. It's really unfair. It's first past the post. You vote for an MP in your area and the most amount of votes gets that MP. Then you top up how many MPs and that's the people that run Parliament. Dead simple. Over there, the Electoral College, they work out what the population of a state is and they give an amount of votes proportionate yeah, yeah. to that. And then they all go in the pot and then the first one to 270 wins. And but here's the thing, they are also aware that things can come up after that you've done the vote. You might find out, say Joe Biden had won this and then they're about to certify. That's why there's a little bit of time before they put the certification yeah, yeah. in to say this is what the state is voting for. They, uh, It could turn out that he's not really Joe Biden. He, he's this wanted rapist from 19, uh, you know, 1970s that changed his name and then built this new life or 
whatever. And, and yeah, I hope no one clips that out of sync and then uses it on uh, on Newsmax or One American News or something. But I'm just saying, uh, the then they have the option of going, well, they won the popular vote, but we found this thing that fundamentally disqualifies him as a person it's so reprehensible so we will vote for the person who did come second and but it's never happened because thank god you know with the amount of scrutiny you get for that job you wouldn't get that far to even get the nomination by your party it'd be we don't live in a world where that's possible trump yeah but but you knew everything about him and the people still voted for him that's the difference whereas this is really set up for if it turns out he's a wanted felon or he's actually escaped from prison in his 20s or something Uh, but 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 the the whole rule is this if the person has won the election those people that are on the electoral college committee for that state have to go to the electoral college and go this is the person who got the most votes of voting for him okay, now right. it's cross party as well it's supposed to be not political so you'll have like Michigan had two re- Republicans and this is what I think is quite bizarre you should have a neutral person you had two Republicans and two Democrats yeah. and he courted all four of them got them to the White House and then offered them a job in his administration if they would change their votes. And if anybody doesn't see a similarity between this and what went on with with uh, the Ukraine and that phone call, this is how this guy rolls. This is what a crook he is. He, he's done that. Now, here's the disappointing thing. I will say that because after that video... Uh, the result was that they did certify and they told Donald Trump at the meeting in the White House, sorry, mate, I'm not going to go and ruin my life just to prop you up. You lost. And they went. However, there were four of them, two Republicans, two Democrats. One of the Republicans abstained after the meeting. So it was three to four. It shouldn't be three to four. It should have been four of them. The two Republicans should have gone, yeah, I get it. You're on my team. It's the Republican Party. But this is wrong. And they didn't. One of them actually would have done it. And if the other Republican had have actually said, oh, yeah, there is a good idea, this, that state would have gone into legal action. And it might have actually got to the Supreme Court where Amy Coney Barrett and co might have actually switched it and gone, oh, no, this is Donald Trump's state because he's a bit of voter fraud and we're not sure, so let's err on the side of caution. He nearly got away with it. But Pennsylvania and other states are all certifying, and it, it, buddy, he attempted a coup. Yeah, nearly. It's a coup. It's a coup, and not a military coup. It's a soft coup. we had a coup here, Mike. And they necked one. We had a coup here. In January uh, this year, Boris Johnson just got rid of people. He got rid of people and got people around him to suit himself. The little coup went on uh, with Cummings in charge then. It, it, it was successful. The Tory party isn't the Tory party of old for that reason. Yeah, well, you can get this. This is the problem with coups. This is the problem when you've got this going on in a country when it shouldn't be going on. No. I mean, But at least our electoral system, you can't get away from those votes. Now, I, I wonder what would happen if the next Conservative government started this if they found themselves eight percent in the polls against labor going in Mm. and they they did this here and they started to go uh, oh 
um, if, if Sunak had t- taken over and he was the new because uh, it won't be Boris next time not after this debacle believe me um, the he, what if he then suddenly goes oh I know let's let's do the same yeah. playbook let's let's say that oh well we're worried about the new uh, the, because it's co- there's still a bit of Covid and people are mailing yeah, voting a lot now because what will happen here because cause, although Boris has tried to get rid of them generally speaking yeah. the, the, the Tory party will knife themselves at each other in the back yeah, well, no, they're change. good at that. They're very good at yeah, that. So it Whereas, won't, it won't yeah, change. It's harder for a stranger to come into the Conservative yeah. Party here than it was. Yeah. They call it entryism when you get a person or an ideal like we had with Labour over here, where momentum came in with Jeremy Corbyn and they took over the party. And they, you basically ended up momentum, bought themselves the IP of the Labour Party for a few years until they realised what a bunch of balance they are and they couldn't actually run the country if they won the election. But as a further point of this, uh, the good news from all of this is that the, yeah, it turns out that Donald Trump, yeah, he tried to do a coup, but it didn't quite work out how he was wanting. And we have we have uh, good news in that he actually he didn't concede, but he kind of gave way. You uh, share a four-way byline, I know, tonight in the Washington Post with some real detail from behind the scenes. Trump was described as angry about the situation. He called political advisors Monday to say he had doubts about the GSA initiating the transition, to inquire about whether he could block certification of the Michigan result, and to express reluctance to travel to Georgia to campaign for the two Republican senators facing runoff elections, according to officials and advisors. What is going on behind the scenes, Phil Rucker? Well, Brian, what's happening, according to my colleagues uh, and I reporting today, is that the president has been very reluctant to agree to uh, this procedural move, uh, which is quite significant, which is the General Services Administration allowing the Biden transition to take place. That is effectively a surrender on the part of the president after 16 days uh, of delaying the transition and trying to subvert the vote. He, of course, is continuing uh, his fight publicly. He believes he has some legal avenues ahead, but the reality here is that it's over. Uh, and, and tonight brought some Uh, some end to it. But the president uh, took a while to get to that place psychologically. He had conversations over the last few days with a number of advisors who were telling him, look, uh, the avenues are running short here. You need to let the transition begin. And then in the last 24 to 48 hours, we've seen this chorus of calls from uh, some Republican senators who are influential from a number, uh, more than 100 national security uh, veterans in this country who wrote a public letter Uh, today calling on the Trump administration to begin this transition. And importantly, uh, from the CEO of Blackstone, Steve Schwartzman, who is perhaps uh, President Trump's closest ally in the business community, he went public today with comments saying effectively uh, that Biden had won this election and the country needed to move on. All of this has wounded the president 
uh, but got into an emotional place where his advisors were able to convince him to go ahead with the beginning of this transition uh, so long as he doesn't concede. And and my colleague Josh Dossie is reporting that there's actually an effort underway in the White House right now to get the president to deliver a formal speech to the nation. He would not concede in this speech, but he would use the moment uh, to tout his accomplishments in office and to commit publicly on camera uh, from the lectern to a peaceful transfer of power. That's the, the conversation underway tonight. A peaceful transfer of power. A peaceful transfer of power. Well, well. It's an election, it shouldn't be a coup. It should be, this, isn't this just what life should be about? About elections, about you know, the biggest, richest country in the world? You know, all um, that type I, of stuff. It is just outrageous that in the, the books, in the history the books, in the history books, this will either be a an open invitation to people just to try and cheat if they lose, yeah. And that's what all this is about. You want to go into all the bullshit that everybody's talking about about why why on earth is is Trump doing this or the rest of it? Yeah, he's trying to cheat every single time. This guy has lost anything at any any point. Yeah. He's blamed it on someone else cheated, sued someone with no case that, that had no money, so they had to just give up and, and be made bankrupt. Because that's a problem. If you sue someone with no evidence, they don't they can either afford to defend it or not. And this idiot thought this was the same as when he sued the guy who owned the farmhouse in Scotland so he could build his golf course in in uh, over here. Yeah. He the guy didn't have any resources so he couldn't defend the action and he lost and ended up owing hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of, of court costs and then went, Oh I tell you what, have my house, build your golf course, otherwise I'm I'm actually homeless. And this is how he rolls. And he thought he could use the same thing, but he didn't realise yeah, Donald, you're suing states. States tend to have money and they will fight you back and they will beat you in court, which is what's happened. He's used to being throwing things in court and winning. And he, and he, he, think, he thought, but, but he's done it with no evidence before yeah. and broke yeah. people. And he thought he could do it this time, but it is done. I mean... Don't get me wrong, we're still not out of the woods. You you have still got a few states to certify yet. And it's um, he has caved and he has allowed the transition and that's the best you can hope for. I am going to go out there on a limb and I think that you won't ever get a concession out of him, ever. No, no. But we want to talk about the alt-right. And um, before we do that, part of the alternative uh, media go on all the time about a certain doctor, a GP called Dr. Vernon Coleman. Doctor who? Vernon Coleman. I couldn't help it, that's a joke. Okay. Can we have a picture, Chris? So, who is Dr. Vernon Coleman, you may ask? Because, like I say, his name is banded around all over the alternative media world. He used to write for the Sun newspaper, I'll throw a start away. No. But he's, he portrays as an old man in a chair as like a font of knowledge of anything medical. He's a former GP uh, from 1970 to 1981, and he's built a career out of being anti-establishment. Anti-establishment, that's who he is. So, when we're going on to talking about, if you can sort the picture up, Chris, they get that picture up, once people see him sat down. Uh, when people talk about him, they always say, he's, yeah, but he's a medical doctor. 
In 2005, um, an advert, he had an advert out for a book called How to Stop Your Doctor Killing You. And he claimed the most likely person to kill you was a GP, after he had been a GP. When writing The Sun in the 80s, Coleman denied that AIDS was a significant risk to the heterosexual community. The following year, on the 17th of November, The Sun published an article under the headline Straight Sex Cannot Give You AIDS Official, claiming that the killer AIDS can only be caught by homosexuals, bisexuals or junkies. The following day, Coleman supported The Sun's claims with an article under the headline AIDS, The Hoax of the Century. He's also a critic of the European Union and a supporter of, guess what? English nationalism and Brexit. Mm. So that's the person who people on the right believe, or sorry, people on the alternative media believe is a medical guru. Mm. So would you follow this guy or would you follow a normal GP, a normal medical expert? Why do these people say this? Because people call him, like say, this learned person, but people like who support him call people like me a sheeple talk about the brainwashing I've undergone. They question everything they insist, but ignore us when we question them. They tell us, do your research. You must have had it. I've had it online. Do your research, Paul. Yeah. You'll find out. Happens all the time. But, but they fail to fact-check the material they share. I've had some people on Facebook, for example, sharing stuff, and they are Momentum supporters sharing right-wing media. Yeah, well, they, they don't even realise it is. They, they accuse the media of scaremongering and then tell us that 5G is what's killing people, that our face masks are making us sick and that coronavirus will implant tracking bugs in us. So whether the agenda is politics or profit, once the people willingly do somebody else's bidding, it's very clear sign that their propaganda is working. Even an old man in a chair knows this well. Dr Vernon Coleman. Mm. Looks like he's doing an advert for hemorrhoid cream, doesn't he? You know, it's quite... This is the thing. Do you know what, though? You've got him and then you are Piers Corbyn and all the rest of it, and they just just look mad, don't they? They look look mad, don't they? They look freaking crazy, don't they? I just can't understand where... Intelligent people go along with this... Oh, medical experts say this, medical experts... Dr Vernon Coleman. AIDS was a hoax. There were a lot of people doing that back in the day and it makes you wonder how much these fringe nutters have been around a long time but they didn't have the internet and that's the difference. You had a lot of people believing all sorts of crap but they didn't get to speak to anybody else who was that susceptible and they, they did. to me this, this lot are so dangerous it's untrue. I mean, people are but the thing is, this is, what, this is why it works, because do you remember the adverts, well, you, you probably wouldn't, but the adverts in the 80s, a huge adverts for, like, I think a big block went down and crushing things, AIDS would kill us all type adverts. Yeah, I remember all that. It was, it was propaganda on that side. Yeah. Um, so you can understand why people say, oh, yeah, I remember that advert, it was a load of nonsense, we never got it. 
Yeah, but it wasn't. It was never convenient. I mean, Ronald Reagan was terrible, by the way, about this. Are you talking about AIDS? Ronald Reagan was an absolute nightmare because he believed this was he he was referring to this as as a gay plague yeah. um, in private and in public. He would not use the word. He would not refer to it whatsoever. And he did what Trump was doing, but in a in a very low key way. He just went well. If we don't mention it that much people will think it's under control so there are elements of this and you've got to say well maybe social media no matter who is kicking about it'll bring out the worst aspects of humanity the worst aspects of humanity can find like-minded people to spread their poison and it is poison it's poison by the way Dr Vernon Coleman is quite wealthy I presume he self-publishes now but he's an author self-publishes now, now he self-publishes he banned, he was, he, he banned he yeah banned. but he sells thousands he and won't. thousands of books so don't laugh at that I'm Mike. laughing at it because no 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 he oh, creates God. a lot of money for himself and has done over many years obviously writing for newspapers yeah. as well as his books one of his books about how to be um how to have a small penis and succeed or something. Yeah, like well, that. I'll tell you, I've got, I've got a book. Just tell you I've that. got a book because on the other hat that I've got, you know, we, we're doing a, a, we do a movie magazine and we get all sorts of weird stuff through, and you get the same sort of fringe nutters there. And I got a book on exorcism, and it's quite interesting. It tells you exactly how to perform one. Only it's done. This could be a plumber's guide on how to fix a sink or some piping or whatever. It's that methodical as if, oh, it's beyond question that exorcisms are a thing and ghosts and all this. So let's just read it. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. And it gets to point number 10. And it explains that people that are mentally ill, yeah, yeah, are not mentally ill. And they are in need of an exorcism because of demons yeah. inside them. Yeah, well, that, there you go. It's a big thing in Africa that as well. It's certain tribes believe that. Oh yeah, they do. Um, yeah, if you is, if you've got if you've got schizophrenia, you've actually got demons yeah, living and in inside Europe you as well. That applies. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Five minutes left of the show. Right. Well, here's a simple one. Here's a simple one. We've all seen the. Uh, we've seen Joe Biden now, a president elect. Sorry, Trump fans. I know you uh, you don't like it when people say that, but that is the truth. It's been certified now, and it should have been apparent the day, about two days after the election, um, giving you credit to wait it out a little bit. They, he made a big thing about, well, this is the time to come together now. Let's have peace. We can't have all this discord and, and all this animosity. We've had four years of Trump, and he wants to bring everybody together, hence when he was running at the convention of the Democratic Party, they had some Republicans come forward going, we'd rather have a Democrat. Joe Biden is a decent man. Let's have him. We can't have all this harshness, this coarse um, behaviour that we've had. Let's get some decency back. So, okay, that's fine. So it looks like he's saying, yep, it's back. He's told the world this week, America is back. We're back on the world stage. We're all good. So the alt-right that we've been talking about... Um, they they aren't seeing it quite that way. And, I, and we're just going to show you a video now that explains something to you. If you are wondering why 72,000 people still vote, 72,000, 72 million, 72 million people voted for Donald Trump, um, yet they are subjected to a slightly different reality from the rest of us. Biden's fake truce. We, the 72 million Americans who voted to re-elect Donald J. Trump, do not forgive. 
We, the 72 million Americans who voted to reelect Donald J. Trump, do not forget. We, the 71 2 million Americans who voted to reelect Donald J. Trump, do not surrender. We, the 72 million Americans who voted to reelect Donald J. Trump, reject the fake olive branches of former Vice President Joe Biden. Listen to his hollow attempt to bury the hatchet. It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again, and to make progress. We have to stop treating our opponents as our enemies. They are not our enemies. They are Americans. They are Americans. The Bible tells us to everything there is a season, a time to build, a time to reap, and a time to sow, and a time to heal. This is the time to heal in America. He wants to lower the temperature? Really? Tell that to the flag-burning, window-breaking, traffic-obstructing, cop-hating lunatics that Biden has never disavowed. How do you heal when abolish ICE and Antifa goons demand that our country be canceled? How do you heal when never Trump witches openly call for burning down the America First movement and crushing Trump's populist supporters? What we should be doing is shunning these people. Shunning, shaming these people is a statement of moral indignation that these people are not fit for polite society. It's not only that Trump has to lose, but that all his enablers have to lose. They have to, we have to collectively, in essence, burn down the Republican Party. Um, we have to level them because if there are survivors, if there are people who weather this storm, they will do it again. They will take this as confirmation that, hey, it just pays to ride the the waves. Look at me. I've made it through. How do you heal with miserable, unhinged feminists blowing out our eardrums every day? when Biden's rage-filled mob incites violence against our president and his supporters with impunity online and on the streets. Biden now says it's time to heal. I call bull. This corrupt career politician and his mob coddling party seek to disarm us, to debase us, and to destroy us. Biden now declares that to make progress, we must stop treating our opponents as our enemy. That is the definition of fake truce. With all due respect, Joe Biden can take his faux olive branch and shove it. Until there's election justice, this is not the time for phony peace. Every legal vote must be counted, every illegal vote thrown out, 
every claim of disenfranchisement and poll observer obstruction must be vetted. Every lawsuit must be heard. Anything less than that amounts to exactly the kind of coup undermining the peaceful transition of power that anti-Trump forces falsely accused our president of perpetrating. We, the 72 million Americans who voted to reelect Donald J. Trump, resist the media Silicon Valley coronation of Biden-Harris. We, the 72 million Americans who voted to reelect Donald J. Trump, do not relent. We, the 72 million Americans who voted to reelect Donald J. Trump, do not yield. And we, the 72 million Americans who voted to reelect Donald J. Trump, do not concede. What a funky chucklehead she is. I mean, she she is a one-off nutbag, but she is indicative of exactly what's going on there. And that is the incline that Joe Biden has got to skate uphill against. And um, we've had a couple of uh, comments before we get off. Um, Mark is saying the internet is a breeding ground for stupidity, which, yeah, you've just seen that. And uh, Nick is saying, bloody hell, Newsmax is the uh, Daily Express on steroids with Adam added paranoia, a digital amoeba, if you will. Uh, I couldn't agree more, but sadly, that is what is happening in America right now. And don't forget what happens in America always comes here four years later, according to Lou Reed when he spoke to him. Do you know that? I oh, did it's know fake that. news. Time for us to say goodbye. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week. See you later.